Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Louisville has won today. Boston College right now is beating NC State. And our play by play call today, last night, College at Charleston gets in. Oda Osi has fired a three-pointer. It's no good off the iron. Ball tipped out. Loose. Ran by Marquis Porter. That's Charleston, it. Put on your dancing shoes. We're going to party like it's 1999. We're going to do the Charleston. Charleston, we're going to the big dance. Charleston has won the CAA championship. We are going to the big dance. I believe he's paid by the game. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, great moment for college at Charleston. Bucknell plays tonight for an opportunity to go to the dance as well on their home floor at Soika as they take on Colgate. When it comes to knowledge and just being flat out one of the nicest guys out there, Charles Davis. Tom McGrath and I have talked about this several times. Charles, welcome. Great to have you back with us. Hey, thanks a lot, Steve. I appreciate it. Tell Tom hello for me. Please give uh, me and Julie a big hello. Oh, and and by the way, Julie has a birthday next week. Just so you know. Oh, but give her give her a big happy birthday early for me. I sure will. I'll see her uh, probably a Thursday night. Uh, Wonderful. All right, Charles, you just went through the combine. So very quickly, what jumped at you? We always say it, Steve, and it becomes almost trite at times, but it's really not. The speed of people at the sizes that these young men are nowadays is a bit overwhelming <laughs> I mean, yeah. and the way that they carry weight you know back in our you know i'm not, I'm not going to guess at your age i'm 53 okay right. i'm so, 60 so, all right so back in our day i would say that we're, we're you know we're pretty comparable in our right. day you could tell a 300 pounder with one look couldn't you because yeah, almost no invariably doubt. they were they were a little bit sloppy Right. Yep. They had the mm-hmm. old what, what our coaches called back then Dunlop's disease. Your, your stomach <laughs> Dunlopped over your belt. <laughs> That's right. So you had that, but nowadays you see a normal three hundred fifteen, three hundred twenty pound kid, and sometimes you can't tell what he's carrying. You think he's carrying two seventy five, right. and then they go out there and they run, they lift, they jump, and each time you think you've been amazed to the hilt. The next year comes, and here comes another crop. So I always go back to that, how they're carrying the weight that they have and the speed in which they are propelling themselves across the field, not to mention change of direction, all the other stuff that goes along with it. It's just different out there. These are just different young men. Barkley comes in at 233, running yeah. back, and back quote in our day that you're a fullback when you do that. How about that? Fair you, enough. You, you're right. a fullback, heck. Heck, you might have been a pulling guard just a little bit before. That. <laughs> That's exactly right. But he comes into two thirty-three. He's mad he didn't crack four-four right, for know. the first time He's in, in his life. <laughs> so he might run again on, on the twentieth. We'll see here. Uh, I doubt but, it. I think his advisors will like, look, Saquon, we get it, but what more do you need to show in terms of that? At least, at least that's my anticipation. That's that's the fight that they will present him because he did say that, Steve, and you also heard him say he was upset. He only he only vertical forty one. 
Right. You know, he also wanted to get into the 30s on the bench press. This is a kid that's never satisfied, which is one reason why he's the number one player in the draft, in my, in, according to me. Well, really, it's the first time you had a chance to really be around him, Charles. So yeah. in that opportunity to see him work out, but also to be around him, what did you think? Yeah, he, he exceeded the expectation, which is hard to do because he came in with really high ones. Everyone I've talked with, everyone that you've been, you know, I've been around, they all just raved about him. And, you know, sometimes that raving about a kid, you, you almost cock an eyebrow, don't you? No one can be that good, can they? Right, exactly. Can they be this? You know, you almost feel like Kirk Cousins, who, you know, did everything the right way all the way through college and whatever. You notice all the chirping that's coming out now? Man, we weren't sure he was all in with us. We weren't sure that he was playing just for us last year. You know, people turn on you at a certain point. Tim Tebow cannot try and live his life any better, and people are at him at him all the time. Right. Exactly. So you just always so you always you always like, okay, what is it about us that we don't like these kids who are trying to do it the right way? Well, with Saquon, he's another one of those. I don't, you know, he's not obsequious by any stretch of the imagination. He's just a good young man who's out there busting it, and you can see him easily fitting into any locker room situation where he will be respectful, but he won't be intimidated. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing to sit there and ask about, hey, what would you think of the quarterbacks? I want to start out, though, with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, incredible athlete. I mean, Charles, you watch this all the time. Where does he fit? I think he fits where a, a, a or, an organization has creativity and confidence to express it. I think, Steve, that we are, and we, and I say we, I'm using NFL now, okay? I believe we're at the best time possible where the NFL is meeting these young guys halfway coming out of college because they were learning that their model wasn't working. What I mean by that is if you're going to spend that kind of draft capital on a kid, you want to play right away. We're not in the old days where you would draft a quarterback and he was expected to sit for three years and you'd pay him handsomely and he would never hit the field. Now if you draft a quarterback in the first round, he's going to play early. And every year we go through the same thing where teams draft a quarterback and go, well, you know, our goal is to get him through this year and he'll watch and he'll learn and that'll be best. And three games into the season, he's starting. So to me, it's kind of a waste of time. Just draft him and say you're going to play him and figure out a way to play him. And we're also getting to where when a kid comes in, he doesn't have to immediately do everything the so-called pro way, NFL way. What works best for you, young man? What are your What is your skill set? What are we going to do? To me, there's no better example than Deshaun Watson last year with Houston Texans right. and how they got him ready to play. And I'm still wondering why he didn't start the opener. <laughs> Bill O'Brien's probably wondering that himself. But <laughs> at the same time, they adapted to him, adapted the playbook, adapted the scheme, and they were on a pretty good run before he got hurt. They would have been challenging for a playoff spot, despite the fact their defense was beat up, because they brought him along to within his skill set and introduced him to other things. Dak Prescott was the same way with Dallas his rookie year. Started with all the mainly the college stuff he did and kept working in more NFL stuff. By the end he was a total package. So that's why that's all I'm saying is whoever drafts him, they should have a plan and be ready to adapt to his skill set offensively. Because if they don't, they've wasted a draft pick, and they're wasting the talents of this young man. It's one thing to have a year where there's Rosen and Darnold and Allen and, and, and Baker Mayfield, but you and I both know that more and more teams on the college level, the collegiate level, are going to RPO. 
Yeah. Is there going to be a point where the NFL needs, because look, guys have certain skill sets where they've got to think differently, I don't mean now, but four or five yeah. years from now, about how they look at quarterbacks? I think it's already started, Steve. I think they've already started to, to make that move. Look, bottom line is you're still winning in the NFL at the end of the day from the pocket. Okay, you have to make plays from the pocket and hurt defenses from there in order to have big-time winning. You can't be outside the pocket doing the boogaloo all the time, and that wins for you. Fran Tarkenton, which is our vintage, right? Yep, that's right. Everyone talked about his nickname was the Scrambler. Yep. But Fran Tarkenton led the league in passing multiple times. You don't do that just by making broken plays. You do that by being able to execute what's in front of you. How has Russell Wilson evolved as as a player? More and more of his plays are from the pocket. Doesn't mean he can't still break out there and hurt a defense, but that's not the norm for him. That's part of his game, not the primary. Nick Foles, and you know, we heard about the RPOs. Well, Carson Wentz was executing those all season long before he got right. hurt. Foles took over, took up the mantle, and that's what made him comfortable. And he made plays. But think about the big throws he made in the game in the Super Bowl. The first touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey was not an RPO. Right. That's right. <laughs> he, he's exactly in the pocket right. and, he made, and he made the throw and he understood right. where to put the football so again it's meeting these kids halfway where they live introducing some of the things they have to do in the NFL but if they can't get comfortable winning from the pocket your team ultimately is not going to be a big winning team you're going to win games but I don't think you can get to the ultimate prize unless your quarterback has a very good degree of comfort, comfortability in the pocket there are no sure things, and this will be the last question. I know I have to let you go. Uh, there are no sure things in this thing. We talked about Barkley. We know people who draft quarterbacks. Yep. Are, are guys like Bradley Chug, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, are they in that same category with Barkley where you you feel really good if, if that happens to be the guy on your board? Yeah, I think you do. You know, Derwin James from Florida State, I think, popped yeah. in there as well. You know, right. we could go on the name all, but you're exactly right. Those examples are what the NFL will call clean, right? You feel good about your skill set. You know, other scouts talk about floor and ceiling, right? So you know, you think the ceiling is this, but you know your floor is pretty high. So you take it and you live with it, right? Okay, so let's say he's not absolutely spectacular. But he should start for you for the next 10 years, barring injury. They're that, they're that type of a player. We always have to remember that we're, we, you know, you got to be careful about who the cleanest guy is. We make determinations. But you remember Aaron Curry out of Wake Forest a few years sure. back, the linebacker? Yep. yep. The consensus, without a doubt, cleanest player in the draft. Yep. What did he make it, three years? Yeah. Because the That's one it. thing he didn't have was the ability to rush the passer. And as a linebacker, and we went through that with Deion Jordan a few years later out of Oregon, if you're an outside linebacker and your forte is not rushing the passer, then I think a lot of teams are very hesitant to take you as high as they would have before. Because rushing the passer, you know, it's, it's, it's the old protect ours, rush theirs. That's the right. game, right? Stick them. Yep. So every one of these guys we're talking about, what is the, what is the overwhelming skill set that they bring? Well, each one of them has something that stands out above the other, and that's why you feel like that they're clean and they can give you what you're looking for right out of the gate. Absolute pleasure as always, Charles. Thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciated it. Steve, thanks for having me on. You take care of yourself, and I'm hoping one day to get down there to see you again. I miss being back in that area. Yeah, I'd love to have you here. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. You take care now.
Uh, he's one of the best going. Charles Davis, Fox Sports. Uh, Charles Davis is one of those guys where if you don't like Charles Davis, I mean, as a person, I'm talking about as a person, if you don't like Charles Davis, you don't like people. He's just a, just a smart and flat-out good guy. We will come back with more in a moment. Joe Rudder, final half hour on the Le'Veon Bell mess in Pittsburgh as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, uh, welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. Joe Rudder, final half hour on the Steelers and the Le'Veon Bell negotiations. Uh, It is not quite as simple, evidently, as let's buy ourselves more time. It's complicated. And... Yeah, the angle that I've been hearing, what he'll get this year uh, for now being franchise tagged second straight year, what, 14.4? Yeah. And I believe he wants that in a multi-year deal, something very close and uh, definitely equal, comparable to, uh, I'm going to say Devontae Freeman down in Atlanta. Yep. So, and it sounds like he's not wavering. Well, he can not waver all he wants. I can tell you one thing. He is not getting that money in from anywhere else. There's not another NFL team that's going to sit there and go, hey, we'll pay $14 million. And they look around. You're like, they're not going to do it because of the cap hit. Okay? And it, I mean, the cap hit is... Is huge here. I mean, if if they were to do this with a fourteen million dollar cap hit, that completely ties their hands in free agency. They can't do anything because of one guy. Ben Roethlisberger has restructured his contract to allow them to have cap room. Antonio Brown just restructured his. Antonio Brown's still getting the same money. Right? He's still getting the same money. And David DeCastro restructured uh, his deal, yeah. I would say, about a month ago. Right. And so and they're all getting – it's just done in a different way that allows the cap to have room. What Bell wants destroys their cap completely. 
Right? I mean, it's simple as that. 177 is the salary cap for this year, or the, uh, right? 177 yeah, it million. Is, it just went up, yep. It just went up. So, that's. That's what well, you it goes have. up. Well, it goes up every year. I guess this question is just how much it goes up. <laughs> right. Well, it goes up because the TV contract money goes up. Yeah. And that's the reason because there's an escalator when it comes to the TV contract. There's a little bit of increases built in every year. With a little bit of increases built in every year, you're going to get an increase in the cap. That's that's why, that's why I have. That's why, for example, let's take the NBA. It's a little bit different. But why is it that it's always in July drama with LeBron James? LeBron James always signs two-year deals with an opt-out. That's really smart by LeBron James. Because every year, starting on July 1st, with the TV contract, okay, the max contract number goes up. So what do you want to sign a two-year contract for? So you sign a two-year deal with an opt-out, and LeBron James will opt-out again this year. Why? Because he can get the max deal. I don't blame him. That's pretty smart business on his part. Yeah. So. Uh, we talked about money before. I mean, the financial numbers are out uh, for Penn State. And I think, you know, and nothing in there is a surprise at all when you you know there's nothing in there that's surprising about the numbers you know it's about what we always tell you football made money football made 41.4 million men's basketball made about 5.3 5.4 million that's what they make i think the part that is is kind of a is is going to be one of those surprises i think for again is is the wrestling number I mean, almost almost eight hundred fifty thousand dollars in losses, and again, it's perception versus reality. Men's hockey makes about four hundred fifty half million a year. That's good. You know, other sports. I mean, like women's volleyball. According to this, revenues versus expenses lose about a million and a half. Women's basketball three point eight, but it's the wrestling number that people are going to go. Oh no! Come on! No! 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 It can't be true! It can't be! They sell out! They sell out! Every ticket's gone. When you don't have elements such as revenue sharing, postseason money, um, television money, radio money, when those elements aren't in play, you're not going to be able to turn a profit just based on tickets. You're just not going to. It's as simple as that. And wrestling doesn't have a TV contract. They, you know, yeah, they their matches on radio, but they don't have a radio contract. And postseason, I know somebody brought up. Well, they were, they were on ESPN for the NCAA tournament. Irrelevant. ESPN gives that money to the NCAA and Penn State wrestling, like all the other wrestling programs, get expense money. That last year, I think, was it St. Louis. This year, will bring them to Cleveland. You know, that way nobody's taking a hit when they go, but they're not making any money either. That's just the way it is. I mean, it's no it's, it's no big deal at all. Zero. Zero. The key is as long as as long if you're in an autonomous athletic department situation and Penn State is spending 
you know, except for just a, like a little bit of a rainy day fund, okay? Okay? With a rainy day fund in there. you got to remember that um, that's where that little pad comes in. Now, Penn State still paying back the, the bridge loan, which was $30 million total. And keep in mind, here's the other part. I want you to keep this in mind. The new TV contracts with Fox and ESPN and CBS are not in this. It is the last year of the old contract. So the new money coming in for football and men's basketball from TV when they do the same report a year from now, it's going to be higher. This doesn't include, because this goes up to June 30th last year, and which is the end of the fiscal year. Well, the new TV contracts with Fox, CBS, and ESPN did not kick in until July 1st, 2017. So more money will be available along the way. But it doesn't matter how much money wrestling loses. It doesn't matter. Penn State invests money to have a top-flight wrestling program because it's really, really important. And it's really, really successful with a great coach who has great wrestlers, who graduates his people, and they fill Rec Hall. And they are not gouging fans to fill Rec Hall. As long as you're making money in those other two areas, everybody else is okay. Are you looking? Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our thanks to Sean Morris, who joined us in the 3.30 half hour. Charles Davis of Fox Sports, who joined us in the second half hour, the 4.06 half hour. And we're about to talk with Joe Rudder. I mean, Joe, every... uh, Joe Rudder out of Pittsburgh. Joe, I mean, look... I mean, this is a slow time of the year, right? I mean, you're not that busy at all, are you? <laughs> when they say busier than a one-armed paper hanger? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's incredible. What, the NFL has become 12 months out of the year. Uh, amazing. So I want to start with Le'Veon Bell. Why not? I know you're shocked. We'll start <laughs> with Le'Veon Bell. The highest cap hit uh, at in the uh, in the NFL by a running back behind Le'Veon Bell is LaShawn McCoy at 8.95. At this number here, the cap hit would be, what, 14? 14 and, uh, 14 and a half, actually. 14.54. How can they work out a deal with him that gives them a more reasonable cap hit? Well, <laughs> they, you know, if they can, if they were able to get him signed to a long-term deal, they could give him a signing bonus probably higher than that spread that over the length of the contract that would bring their cap figure down for this year and uh would make all sides happy but the problem is Le'Veon bell wants his full contract to be about that 14 and a half million dollars and you know the steelers aren't <laughs> aren't really willing to set the bar that high for the rest of the running back market and i guess can't say that i blame them and so they're kind of at this stalemate right now and it could get dirty like it did last year, probably even dirtier. Wow. Joe, if if 
it does play out where they have to take a $14 million cap hit. What does that do to restrict the Steelers and free agents? Well, they just restructured Antonio Brown's contract a couple hours ago. So that actually, they were about, before this, they were about, they won the, you know, they have to be under the salary cap by one week from today. Right now they were staring at but about an eight to nine million dollar that they had to create to get Le'Veon Bell's contract under there. Restructuring Antonio Brown today got them right about to that number, maybe a little bit over. So they, they have a little bit right now. They're going to either have to restructure another contract or release somebody to, you know, create some salary cap room so that they can, you know, be able to do some things in free agency because they, they want to do that. You know, they, they need to get some help with insider. I mean, they're going to try to do that draft, but, you know, they're going to need a veteran type of player. And Lawrence Timmons seems to be the guy that they would try to bring back. Right. Reduce rates. Um, you know, they, they want help at safety. Um, you know, there's a couple, you know, they, given the Le'Veon Bell situation, they might try to bring in a free agent running back because, you know, if they, if, if this is going to turn ugly and they see they, they probably should fortify them. And then in case they decide to rescind the offer to Le'Veon Bell. Are you surprised after how it played out last year that it has the potential to turn ugly this year? Yeah, it just, I mean, you know, he's already, Le'Veon Bell has already said that, you know, he might not just come in for week one like he did last year, that he, by league rules, can wait until week 10 or 11 and then come in and still get credit for his full season. And if you're the Steelers and you're you're sensing that this is what this guy's going to do, I wouldn't keep that kind of headache around. I'd be looking for his replacement in the draft or free agency and uh, being prepared to move on from the guy. When's the next set of negotiations set up for you, do you know? I do not know, and if I'm the CEO, they have a July 16th deadline. Right. That if they don't if they don't get a deal done by then, he has to play under this one year, fourteen and a half million dollar number. If I'm the Steelers, I say, okay, yeah, that number, that deadline's all well and good, but we're not waiting that long. We need to know by the NFL draft. If we don't have you in place by the NFL draft, we're going to get your replacement, and chances are you're going to hit the open market then. And if I'm Le'Veon Bell. And the Steelers take that offer away from him. I don't think there's any other team right now that's going to give him fourteen and a half million. Right. And, it, and at that point of the year in May, especially after the draft, other teams might have their needs already addressed, and you know they might not have the money or the positional need for a running back. So I think it's a calculated gamble on Le'Veon Bell's part. Uh, it is because that actually was going to be my next question as you were answering it. Would you be shocked if if this plays out long, where suddenly the first week of June he's cut? Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could see that happening. Um, you know, I mean, you know, if the, I think the Steelers, and they're some pretty smart guys. Kevin Colbert's pretty smart. Mike Tomlin, I think they realize that this has a chance to play out even worse than last year. And, and especially if you're looking for somebody for the long haul, why not go ahead and try to draft his replacement? You know, maybe not in the first round, but try to get him, you know, a little lower, and or see what's out there coming up in free agency, and try to get somebody that. Uh, you know, that you could at least have a committee approach with with another veteran running back. Antonio Brown, when he first started out, he operated in the shadow of Mike Wallace, but then the Steelers, you know, you could tell they saw something. They went with him with the contract and not with Wallace. Then obviously Antonio Brown, with all the catches, wanted more and got more money. What does it tell you, though, about the fact that he was willing to restructure because it would be good for him but also good for the club? 
Yeah, I mean, he wants them to try to keep the, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's done this too, where you, you right. restructure to try to keep, you know, you try to free up money to help keep everybody around so you can make another chance at winning. And, you know, it, Antonio Brown doesn't get a penny less than he did yesterday. It just kind of moves the money around. Mm-hmm. He gets it more up front in the guarantee and less actually in his paycheck when the, you know, the season starts. So it, it's a win-win for both. The only thing it maybe does, this is a little cap obligation on the future years. I think his uh, salary cap number goes up by $3 million or so next year and the year after, so that's something to deal with eventually. But, no, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's good for both sides if you feel like you've got enough pieces in place where you can compete for the Super Bowl. What did you see at the Combine that stuck out to you pro and con? Um, yeah, the, you know, one thing that I didn't get to see too much of, but it seemed like the Penn State kids really lit it up. Um, <laughs> yes. Mike Gazzippi, uh, Siggy, and Troy Apke really put up some good numbers, and, of course, Barkley, you know, he was phenomenal. Um, but you know, I saw that that you know linebacker wise that they they seem to meet with a they they talked to and were meeting with a lot of guys from the linebacking group, I, even defensive linemen. A couple of the first round guys, um, the, one kid from Stanford and another kid from Ar- Ar- or Alabama, Payne. They had set meetings up with them. Um, so you know they they seem to be trying to really address all sides of the of, of their defense that they want to get better. And improve on you know the way they finish down the stretch. Um, you know it, there there was a lot of good talent there. there. You know the running back class seems deep. There was some guys there that had uh, interviews with the Steelers. That you know at the at the time you're thinking what's the point, but now you're realizing well you know the Steelers have been preparing for this possibility and might just be ready to pull the trigger on drafting a running back. And then there's then there's the next part. Uh, if if the Shazier situation isn't on the table, just you know we'll play that out. Could you see them maybe going for a guy like a sickie? Because I mean, because a pass catching type of tight end in that offense, what would you think of that? Yeah, until until, you know, until Shazier, yeah, yeah, until Shazier got hurt, that was something that was on the table. Uh, I think the tight end would have been very high among their priorities, um, especially with the fact that until that point, Vance McDonald was kind of an unknown quantity last year. That's right. When he played, he did very well, but he was hurt for so much. Um, he did finish strong, and I think they their thought is if they have him, you know, in their training regimen the whole year, have him through the whole training camp, that he'll be a better player and they'll be okay. But until all that happened, I think Kasicki would have definitely been on their radar. Interesting, because I, I know how everything played out here when Adam Talaferro got hurt against Ohio State and what a shock to the system it was for everybody when that happened back in 2000. You're around the Steelers all the time. How much of a, was what happened to Ryan Shazier a shock to the system? Oh, I think it definitely was. I mean, you know, this, you know it, it, it jolted the team, it jolted the defense, and you could just tell they weren't the same team, especially on defense, that last part of the season, that last month and into the playoffs. And, I mean, you know, he, the one thing, you know, and, you saw with Adam Talaferro, you know, you remained around the program and you know, provided yeah. an uplifting influence, and Ryan Shazier has definitely done that. But, you know, now they're dealing with the, okay, the aftermath of, you know, moving on on the field without him. And uh, I think they'll, you know, it's a, it'll be easier to do this year than all of a sudden one day not having your best defensive players available. Joe, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for all the great information you gave us and the conversation. Appreciate it very much. Anytime, Steve. Joe Rutter from Pittsburgh. Great to hear from him today.
The Le'Veon Bell thing's a mess, isn't it? I mean, that's a mess. Uh, they've got a problem now with this. Unless there's they, there's only so much money to play with, and one of the problems they have is that they just can't invest it in one guy like this unless he's a quarterback. All right. Okay. We'll come back, wrap things up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Big night for Bucknell. They have played all season to get to this point. And now the point is here. Right? They've played all season to get here. All right? All season. And now they have that chance to get to the NCAA tournament with a win at home tonight. That's what it comes down to. They, that non-conference schedule that Nathan put together, which I thought was great. Yeah, the casual fan was kind of concerned very early on when they were at or below 500. It was like, just take a fast glimpse of the record. What's going on there? Well, they've they've now reeled off what 17 out of their last 18. So, yeah, but it's I mean, just been that's... it's just been great. The further we pull away from the 2006 season when they. 2005 season when they upset Kansas. It's just great the further we pull away from that year, the more and more people you hear from across the country just, you know, praising and giving so much great respect to Bucknell for the great program they have. Well, they've earned their number one seed. The non-conference schedule was put together in such a way that allowed them to get to the stage where they were battle tested and ready to go. Right? I mean that's that's what it's all about. And they did that. And now they have one game. They have one game to get home. And that's tonight. These guys have worked their entire careers for this. Stephen Brown, Nana Fallon, Zach Thomas, Kimmel McKenzie, they all have. They have worked their guts out to get to this point. And tonight, they have a chance to play and put themselves in with a win on their home floor. And what a way for the seniors to cap their final game at home, isn't it? I mean, that's the amazing. I mean, you can cap your your final game of your career at home by getting to the NCAA tournament. Wow! How phenomenal is that? They'll play Colgate tonight, which will give them all they can handle. And Colgate will give them all they can handle tonight. Make make no mistake about that. And that's going to be 
that's going to be the whole deal right there. And Colgate will get because Colgate's paying for the same thing. They are paying for the playing for the same thing. They are playing for the right to get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they have to do it on the road, but guess what? They, their stakes are the same. So it's really going to be a heck of a, I think, heck of a game tonight. So like, I can't wait to watch it on TV. And, of course, we'll have it for you on Eagle 107 this evening. Eagle 107 this evening. And Rob Center is going to be cranking up a live broadcast next hour from outside Sueca, and then we'll have Doug and the coach on at 7. Very nice. Perfect. That's all coming up tonight. All right. Uh, now, we talk about financial numbers being released. The NCAA announced that they got $106 billion, excuse me, $1.06 billion last year, and they made a profit of $105 million. Now, they get $716 million on the NCAA tournament. From CBS TBS. The question is, I have no idea what they're doing with the 105 billion. None. None. I have no idea what they're doing with it. Penn State, autonomous, 5.3 million on the plus side. Uh, which is great because, I mean, look, they're still paying back some of that bridge, you know, some of that bridge loan still remains they have to pay back. But essentially what Penn State's doing is what almost every other athletic department is doing. They're taking the money they have and they're putting it back in. They're not they're not running mass profits other than, uh, other than a rainy day fund in case there's a problem. And, you know, you're expecting uh, you you expect football and men's basketball to carry the day. Because that's where the, especially where the TV radio money comes in. Now remember, these are the numbers that were put out fiscal year 1617, which means they go up to the last day of of the old TV contracts. The new TV contracts with Fox, ESPN, and CBS, okay, the new ones are not in this report. Those con- those old contracts, which didn't include Fox, except for the uh, Big Ten Championship game, aren't in this contract. Or excuse me, are not in this financial report. Can't be. Those contracts did not go into play until July first, twenty seventeen. So the door is open. That okay? There's more money available, but there's also more expenses too. For example, cost of attendance was paid last summer for you know, for, uh, including the the uh, the two six week sessions for the first time ever. That's in this report. 
you know, summer cost of attendance. So that's, you know, you've got expenses like that, more security at Beaver Stadium. I mean, there's um, more security everywhere. So that's what it is. And football is up 41.4 million. Men's basketball up 5.4 million. Hockey up a half million. And, of course, I know people talk about the wrestling part, but, again, without substantial revenue-sharing, TV contract, radio contract, it's just hard for any sport to turn a profit these days. right? So you're seeing the sellout, so the perception is they're just raking it in, and they've got a truck waiting in the back with, with to take in all the cash. The reality is they lost $850,000, which is fine as long as they win. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.